Am I audible? Okay. So thanks, Greg. What a morning. It's such an amazing time of worship. I want to welcome um, all, all of you who have joined us online today. And welcome to the team here as well. Thank you for all that you do. Um, and I'm, I'm really touched by this video on Safe Families. And every week we, we, we play these videos and, and we, we watch um, different testimonies. And it's such an amazing thing that God is doing in our community. And I would uh, really encourage each one of you to be part of it. Uh, I was reading, um, I was reading the, the book of Acts. And in Acts 2, you see this amazing picture of the early church. Um, it's a loving community where people, um, are be where believers get together and share all that they have. It's a, um, it's a, it's some, some in the community, they sell their possessions and belongings and share the money with those uh, who, who need money. They worship together and, uh, and they meet at homes they eat, they share meals um, with great joy and generosity. And God, um, you can see that there are the, this, in this community, in this early church, that God is doing several miracles and wonders. He has given them favor among all people. It's not just within the church, but among all people, these people have favor. And uh, and, 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 and he's adding more and more people every single day to this early church. What is going on? What is going on? The writer of Acts is giving us a glimpse into the upside-down kingdom of God through Acts 2. A kingdom of new humanity who's, who, who's living, um, the new humanity which is living it's life with Jesus as king. A kingdom of new creation in Jesus, which is launched, this new creation was launched through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a, and a kingdom of God's people who are partnering with God. A, such an amazing picture of the kingdom of God. And this is good news. And this is good news. Several Christians today have a wrong understanding of the good news. They, 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 narrowly, they believe in a narrow gospel. They believe in a gospel which will, they believe in a gospel where if they believe in Jesus, they can escape from this world and go to heaven. That's a wrong understanding of the gospel or the wrong understanding of the good news. And, and, um, and when we have a wrong understanding of a good news, then we don't live to the full potential of the gospel. We don't live in the plans and the purposes that God has for us. L let me um, explain this with an example. In the last year and a half, a lot of us have purchased computers. By computers, I mean laptops, tablets, smartphones, desktops, because our computers were a gateway to the rest of the world. 
Now, when you buy a computer, there are different types of computers. There are less expensive ones, which will help you to, to complete some simple tasks, like browsing the internet, reading and writing emails, listening to music, uh, watching videos. There are, and then there are more expensive ones, which will help you to complete some complex tasks, such as uh, video editing, photo editing, video ga playing video games. Now imagine you buy an expensive laptop, which can do complex tasks, and then you use it for simple tasks, such as browsing the internet, uh, or, uh, reading, writing emails, or watching videos, then you're not utilizing the full potential of that computer. Similarly, when we live with the mindset that I will do just enough to go to heaven, then we are not living the full potential of the gospel. And, and uh, the promise of God in the Bible is to save is not to save his people from the world, but the promise is to save his people for the world. And this is what we will uh, explore today as we go to the book of, book of Isaiah. And uh, the reason why we are looking at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah, he, uh, in, in the book of Isaiah, you will see that the, 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 the rescue plan of God the message of salvation, the, 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 the plan of God to save his people is beautifully summarized. And you'll see that a lot of New Testament writers and Jesus, he, they, they refer to Isaiah. Now, when I say, when, when, when I talk about Israel in my message today, uh, I just want to put a disclaimer. I'm talking about the Israel of the Old Testament. I'm not talking about the Israel of today. The, so my, my focus is on the Israel of the Old Testament. So who is Isaiah? Isaiah is a prophet who lived in Jerusalem, and he, made, and he gave prophecies uh, um, in between 742 BC and 700 BC. And he shared a message of judgment and hope. Now, the book of Isaiah has got 66 chapters. And um, uh, and, and, the and, and it has got two parts. The first part has 39 chapters, that is chap chapter 1 to chapter 39. And in these 39 chapters, Isaiah is sharing the message of judgment. And this, these 39 chapters are written to a people who are about to be exiled. So if you look at the history of Israel, the Babylonian exile is like a milestone. And the first half, that is first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are written to the people who are about to be exiled to Babylon. And, uh, and actually this book is a warning to the people of Israel. Now who are these people of Israel? So God chose Israel when he called Abraham. And you can see that in Genesis. And, and when he chose Israel, he chose Israel with the, with the purpose of making them as a light to the nations. So these people were to bring God's salvation to the whole world. But the people of Israel rebelled. They, they rebelled uh, into such an extent that 
that there was, there was a point of no return. So they rebelled in three different ways. First is they did not trust God. They, they started creating alliances with foreign kings for their protection, even and totally ignored the, war, the warning given by God against doing it. They started worshipping other gods. And third, they, they started, started engaging themselves in a lot of pagan practices. So, so, um, so the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are a message of judgment on these people who have rebelled. And, and, and these 39 chapters of Isaiah, these prophecies that are there in the 39 chapters of Isaiah, it, it comes to fruition in, in 607 BC. So you see that the, the whole kingdom of Israel, I'm talking about the whole kingdom of Israel, is attacked or is defeated by two empires, the empire of Assyria and the empire of Babylon. And on, in 607 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of, of Babylon, he, 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 he puts a siege on Jerusalem and he defeats the king of Judah and, and, and begins the Babylonian exile. And in this Babylonian exile, a lot of bright and finest people of Israel, including uh, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they all get uh, exiled into Babylon. Now, the second portion, the second half of the book of Isaiah is, is, is a, is a, is, has 27 chapters, from chapter 40 to chapter 66, and it conveys the message of hope. And this uh, this second part of the book of Isaiah is, is written to, uh, to the people who are under exile. So th- and that's th- the, the distinction is important. The second part of the book of Isaiah is written to the people under exile in Babylon. And, 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 and in our, in our um, message today, we will look at chapters, we'll breeze through chapters 40 to 55. And, and the reason why we are doing that is because there are two promises in, in those chapters. The first promise is the promise of forgiveness, and the second is the promise of new creation. And, 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 this, and this, uh, these chapters, that is chapter 16 chapters, that is chapter 40 to chapter 55, they, they are the most popular uh, chapters of Isaiah. And you'll see that Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, P, uh, Paul, and all the New Testament writers, they, they frequently quote from this section of Isaiah. So, so let's dive into uh, uh, this, the, these 16 chapters. And I have actually simplified it so that you know, we, can, we can get the, the key message of these chapters. But the, the chapters, this chapters 40 to 55 is one long poem. It's one single poem. And in this poem, there's an intense conversation that is happening between the people of God and God. And the people of God are the people of uh, Israel who are, who are exiled in Babylon. And by this time, the people of Israel uh, who are exiled in Babylon are a broken people. So you'll see that in this conversation that is coming out again and again, that they are broken people, a people who are chosen by God to be a light to the nations are now living in exile, a people who lived in the divine presence of God, 
God lived with the people of Israel in the temple. And that temple was a place where heaven and earth met. It was similar to, to the Garden of Eden where God lived with Adam and Eve. And now the temple is gone. God has departed from Israel and people are exiled to Babylon. So for people of, for people of Israel, it was similar, the, the humiliation was similar to what Adam and Eve faced when they were sent out of the Garden of Eden because these people were now sent away from the presence of God. Now, they are a small group of people in a foreign land trying to save their language, their, their culture, their religion, and, and they, they have no king. The king of, the, there is no king. The, the, the king on the throne is, is gone. And, and, and these people are utterly hopeless and they are uh, feeling powerless. And now they are thinking that maybe the covenant promise of God that, uh, that was made to Abraham has been shattered. Now, in this conversation, uh, there is an entry that God makes. And, and as this conversation happens, God does a few things. The first thing that God does is he, he, he brings a message of comfort to these people because these people are hurting. So he brings a message of comfort. He reminds them that he's a good God, he's a faithful God. He reminds them that he's a powerful God and he, through his wisdom, has created the whole universe. He reminds them that he's a sovereign God. And, and in the end, he reminds them of the, the covenant promise that he made to Abraham and, he, and makes a promise that one day God will return to become the king of Israel. Now, as this conversation starts progressing, as this conversation starts progressing, you'll see that God is, starts talking about, there's a conversation that starts about a new exodus. A new exodus. Now, people are in exile. God is doing, going to do something different to bring these people out of Babylon. And this will be like the, the, the deliverance of people of Israel from Egypt. And you can see that in the book of Exodus. So, so there is a new exodus that is going to happen, which is far bigger, far greater than the exodus that people saw in, in, in the book of Exodus. And, and as this conversation continues, God reveals a plan. And this is a two-part plan. So the, the God reveals the first part. And the first part is to end the exile of people physically. A plan, a geographical end to exile. That is, people who are... If you, if the Babylonian exile was not just a physical exile. A person, when, when, when Napoleon, if you look at Napoleon, for example, Napoleon was exiled. Right? He was physically sent from one place to the other. But here, when, 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 the, when, the, when Isaiah is talking about exile, exile is not just physical, but it's also spiritual. Because people have sinned, they have done idolatry. They have, they have, you know, they were wicked. They were, they have rebelled. So, so there is a, there's a spiritual angle to exile as well. So God is saying that I will end the physical exile, and for that, He's going to, and that's the first part of the plan. And He's going to call, and He chooses and anoints a pagan king, and that pagan king is Cyrus, the emperor of Persia. He He, he calls and anoints this king of Persia 
and, 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 and he says that this person, this king, will, will end the physical or the geographical exile of the people of Israel. And then, as this conversation progresses, the second part of the plan is revealed. The second part of the plan is to end the spiritual exile of the people of Israel and the humanity at large. And for that, God chooses and anoints a servant king. And you see that this servant king, the, the idea of the servant king starts developing from chapter 42 onwards till 53. And there are four servant songs embedded in this whole poem. And, 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 um, and this, servant, uh, this servant king will be a servant, will be a faithful servant who will bring light to the nations. This servant king will be an will be a, a chosen servant who will bring who will who will uh, will bring salvation to the nation to the nations. This servant king will be an obedient servant who will uh, who will reveal the Father, and and this servant king will be a suffering servant who will suffer, will bear the sins, the rebellion, the transgressions of the people, and he will he will bear it on him, and he will pay the penalty for their sins. And through the death and resurrection, he will, he, will, um, he, will gain, he, will, he will make us all victorious through his, uh, through his death and resurrection. So that's the, that's the second part of the plan. So if you look at this, and then go back to the, to the earlier discussion that we were having, see, God is, is, is making a plan to rescue the people of Israel and the humanity in general to... to to, to come back from the spiritual exile, the spiritual exile where people are sinning and they're wicked and, and, and rebellious to God and is bringing them back so that they are restored to the original purpose that God had for them in Genesis chapter 1. So God is rescuing his people for the world so that these people can become the light to the world. And through his people, that salvation will come to all nations. So the, the first part of, of Isaiah uh, is fulfilled when Cyrus, the king, the, the emperor of Persia, defeats Babylon in 537 BC. And if you look at the history and study the history, it's so, 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 so lovely because... Before, 10 to 12 years before this happened, Cyrus was a very small king. He was actually under the protection of another king. But in 10 to 12 years, he just rose from being a small king to an emperor who ruled this empire of Persia. And through this anointed king, the, 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 the god, uh, he, he actually... He actually ended this, the, the Babylonian exile of the people of Israel. So in, in 537 BC, that Cyrus um, enters Babylon, and the very next year, he lets people of Israel go back to Jerusalem and build and rebuild Jerusalem. So, so you see that, that, uh, that the first part of the, of the, of, um, the, the plan of God is, comes to fruition in 537 BC. But then, for another 500 years, nothing happens. With the, and, and the second, second part of the plan has not yet come to fruition. But after 550 to 600 years, you'll see that 
there is, there is something exciting happening. And, that's, and, and this second part of the plan gets, is fulfilled through Jesus. And, and as you read the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, or Gospel of Luke, you'll see that there is an excitement that is, that is, that is, uh, there's an excitement that is, that is going on. There's an excitement that is going on. But before we get into that excitement, let's close uh, these uh, chapters 40 to 55. In, in chapters 40 to 55, in this long poem, there's a powerful message of hope. And that powerful message of hope is this, that one day, a God will come back to his people. That this servant king will come and deal with sin, rebellion, um, with sickness, idolatry, once and for all. And he will, he will restore his people. He will restore his people. Uh, he, will, he, will, he will end the spiritual exile and restore his people back to uh, their original purpose. And this promise of forgiveness and restoration is not just for the people of Israel. That all people from all nations can come and, and be part of this forgiveness, be part of this restoration. And when they, when they come and be part of this, then through Jesus Christ, they're adopted into the, com- into the covenant family of Abraham. And the third part of this hope is that, that through forgiveness of sin, there is a promise of new life. You'll see that there is, it is symbolically presented in, 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 in chapter 55, where the, the thorns and the thistles, which symbolize the curse of sin in Genesis 3, are replaced with the cypress tree in, in Isaiah 55, uh, uh, verse 13. So, so now, let's come back to this, uh, uh, let's fast forward for 500 years, or 600 years for that matter, and now there's an excitement that is, that is, um, that is uh, uh, there's an excite, excitement in, in all the gospel writers. Like if you look at gospel of Matthew, gospel of Mark, gospel of Luke, there's some kind of an excitement that is, that is taking place. And, and Mark, uh, Mark uh, actually, you know, if you look at Mark, he quotes the, 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 the same uh, words of Isaiah, which are written in Isaiah 40. Prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is returning. The Lord is returning. And, and uh, in, in Ezekiel chapter 10, you will see that God had departed from Israel during the Babylonian exile. And now, that, and now God has come back in Jesus, the Emmanuel. And Jesus himself is calling Believe, repent and believe in the good news. The kingdom is near. Repent and believe in the good news. The kingdom is, is near. Now, in the Jewish context, repentance does not necessarily mean repentance from sin. Repent and, repent and believe means that leave all your agendas, leave all your priorities, and follow Jesus, because God is going, doing something very exciting, and God is doing something very different, which, which we were all waiting for. And now, when we follow Jesus, when we follow Jesus, that we are, we are forgiven from our sins. We are forgiven from our sins, and we are adopted into the covenant family of Abraham, the promise that was there in Isaiah, that we will be forgiven, and we'll enter into the covenant promise of of. of, of um, of Abraham. And then through this forgiveness comes the promise of new creation. That when we belong to Jesus, that we become a new creation. Now I will, I will, I will um, request you to turn your Bibles 
to one, uh, one uh, verse, uh, which, which we'll look at. Uh, that the one verse is Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 17. And I don't know if you, if you have um, the, the, the Passion Translation, but I would request you to read this in the Passion Translation, or you can actually look at some of the commentaries. Uh, the, the meaning um, it comes out you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a beautiful way in the Passion Translation. So let me read it from the Passion Translation. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. So let me read that again. Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, that is, if, 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 someone, if a person belongs to Christ or is surrounded by Christ, he has, he has become an entirely new person. He has become an entirely new person. That is, he's become a new person altogether. There's a new creation. Now, it's interesting to see the same message coming out of the parable of the sower. Um, if, you, if, you t- if you read the parable of the sower in Matthew 13 or Mark 4 or Luke 8, you'll, you'll see that there is, a, there is a seed. And that seed is the good news. And when this seed falls on a fertile ground, which represents the, uh, 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 a good a honest, good-hearted person, then it produces new life. It, there is a new creation that is produced. And that's what Paul is talking about. That now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, is surrounded by Christ, he, he has become an entirely new person. Now, when, he, when, a, when someone becomes an entirely new person, what happens? It's in the next part of the verse. All that is related to the old order has vanished. All that is related to the old order has vanished. What is this old order? Our old identity, our life in sin, our life, our religious works to please God, our, um, our unhealthy relationships in the world, our mindsets, our perspectives. So they all vanish. They all are gone. So when we are united with Jesus and when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are made new on the inside. We are a new creation on the inside. We are, not, we are not reformed, we are not rehabilitated, we are not, re, we are not uh, re-educated, but we are recreated, or we are created as a new creation on the inside. And when that happens, then everything becomes fresh and new. So enf- enfolded in Jesus, when we, live, when we live our new life, when we live our new life enfolded in Jesus, that is surrounded by Jesus, then we live our lives with new identity, we live our lives with new covenant. There are new relationships. There is a new, um, there's a new mindset. There's a new perspective. There are new values. There are new principles. And 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 this is this is really this is really important. This is really important because because the people in the early church, they were living in um, enfolded into Jesus. They were living surrounded by Jesus, and that's why you see that their life was totally different. They, they, they were a loving community. Why were they a lo- loving community? Because they were living with a new identity. They were living with a new covenant. They were living with new relationships, new mindsets, new perspectives. And, and they were living with new values and new principles. So when we start living uh, as a new creation, that we will live as a community 
that, that we see in, 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 in Acts chapter 2. And, and before we end, um, God did not save the world, or God did not come, Jesus did not come to rescue God's people from the world, but Jesus came to rescue people for the world. So that when we live a life as a new creation in partnership with God, then God will bring his kingdom through us. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Ashish, thank you so much for sharing the word with us this morning. Uh, Church, thank you for joining us today. Uh, God bless you this week that you would walk in the newness of who you are in Christ Jesus and what he has done on your behalf, that we wouldn't just wait for things to be over, but that we would be instruments of God's transformation, uh, of God's truth, examples of his freedom, uh, that we would be carrying his love and his power wherever we go and whatever we do this week. God bless you, church. Have an amazing week.